Hey, and welcome to Film Insight. Once again, we're back uh, with uh, me, Randy Hall. I'm in your ears, and over there, uh, my partner in crime. Ben Yenny. Yes, Mr. Ben Yenny. And so, you know, uh, this is another one of these interviews that I wasn't able to be on, but it's another one of these contacts that we had through the SF Web Fest, which happened in early June. You know, it was a resounding success. Everybody loved the event from the, the panels to the screening blocks to the award show and everything in between. So who are we talking to today? We're going to be talking with David Devona, who is from Proven Entertainment. And Proven Entertainment is a distributor of web series. Is that or they they're a do... distributor of all kinds of content, primarily television. They've just broken into web series. I mean, nice. well, you know what? We actually get into that in the interview. So let's dive right in. Okay. Okay, on the line with me is David Devona. How you doing? Good. David is head of Proven Entertainment, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what Proven Entertainment does, David? Proven Entertainment is trying to fix the hole in the market by giving independent filmmakers and web filmmakers an opportunity to get their quality content seen by the masses as opposed to individual followings on YouTube and Vimeo and things like that. So if we have content that we really like, we'll try to push it out to cablers, we'll try to push it out to Netflix and Hulu and and, uh, other online digital platforms and try to monetize both in content views and finances the actual content that's out there. Okay. What sort of projects do you work with? Um, We started off the business with primarily doing reality and unscripted television. My partner, Conrad Ricketts, he was the executive producer on Extreme Makeover, and he worked on Fear Factor, and he has a few Emmy Awards. So we started doing that, and then we started, just out of the need, started doing scripted films and some scripted television. And then we got approached probably about six months to a year ago by a web series called Still, and we've never taken on a web series before that, but we watched it, and I had to binge watch it as soon as I watched the first episode. And I realized it kind of opened our eyes that short-form content with the proper producers can be amazing, and I think it's film quality. So uh, we kind of started testing the waters with that, and we were able to place them on Hulu and Amazon Prime Instant Video, as well as four or five other platforms across the globe. And we're trying to get it out to Chiller and Sci-Fi and some cablers as well. Just trying to get the name out there so they can film a second season and and get exposure. Fantastic. How many other distributors are there working in the web market? Um, There are a total that I am aware of, of two other, so to speak, competitors from us. And I'm happy to give their names. One is called The Orchard and one is called Juice Worldwide. So they take... From what I understand, they'll take almost any content you put in front of them. They'll charge you an upfront fee, and they'll say, okay, we're going to pitch this to Amazon and Netflix and Hulu. And if it gets picked up, great. And if it doesn't get picked up, you're out of luck. But they can get you on iTunes and some of the easier ones to to get on. But there's not a lot of money to be made with stuff like that. The way I see it is if you have a piece of content, no matter how good it is, if the consumers who are viewing it aren't aware of any of the talent in your film – or aren't aware of the film at all, they're not going to spend a dollar or $4 or $5 to rent it on iTunes because it's a risk. If they decide they don't like it, they're now out that money. With subscription-based services such as Netflix and Amazon Prime, someone can watch it for free. You'll get a pay-per-stream, 
If they like it, great. They can watch everything else you've done. If they don't like it, there's no risk for them. So we find a lot more people are willing to watch things that they don't have to pay additional fees for than they would if they had to physically shell out money up front. Okay. There are, it seems that there's a growing trend in short-term, excuse me, short-form content on the internet and especially OTT platforms right now. I've noticed HBO is doing it, doing a lot of it on Go and Now. Yep. How do you go about getting on those platforms? Well, you need somebody who can, I mean, almost a showrunner, so to speak, or an agent. You need someone who has contacts with people from those venues, and you can put together, you need a toolbox. So you have a great one sheet that stands out, a great sizzle reel. And then you can take those tools and bring it to the buyers or the agents who are going to go to the buyers and just give them a hard pitch and say, this is what the show is. This is what the demographics are. This is why I think it fits to your audience. And, you know, they, they handpick things based on what they feel is going to work for them. So there's certainly a much harder mountain to climb up doing that than there is to putting it on places like Netflix and Hulu. But the money's greater if it does work. Mm -hmm. Do you have to be a distributor or a sales agent to pitch your film to Hulu or Amazon Prime? Yes. So Amazon Prime, which is one of the harder ones to physically get a, a connection with, you, know, you can come up with, again, a great movie and call up Amazon. They're not going to call you back. Amazon Prime Instant Video, the only way you can deliver to them is through a company called Aspira. Um, they're big enough where they're not going to take your hard drive and do the manual work. So Aspira, the connection itself, costs about $180,000 a year just for the connection. And they're not going to give someone sitting home the connection. They give it to major post houses. So there are you know, 15 post houses in Los Angeles that have the Aspira connection. You can't deliver anything unless you're at one of those post houses with a distributor behind you. They just won't take it. There are other options like Amazon Plus, and they use something called CreateSpace, and you can videotape yourself riding a bicycle and put it up on CreateSpace, which is their pay-per-view platform where you'd have to physically pay for a rental or buy for a DVD. Um, that you can get on easily. Hulu only takes 10 pitches a month from us, and you know, sometimes they pick things, sometimes they don't. It varies with the platform, but generally speaking, for the places that pay more money and with the bigger names, you need some sort of distributor. They have, you know, Vimeo will take almost anything, Daily Motion will take almost anything, but that's not where the money is. We had a client that got about 500,000 views on Vimeo for one of his programs, and he got a check for a little under $100. And he came to me and said, this doesn't make sense. I said, it does not make sense. If you're getting that kind of viewership, you should be getting paid. So we took him out to Amazon Prime and Netflix, and that's where he's placed now. And he's making substantially more money than he was prior. So if you if you want to get the big money and the big views, you need someone behind you. Um, unless you have Brad Pitt, you know, in your film, and then Brad Pitt can call somebody. That makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about your strategy for particularly for web-based content and how you go about taking? Something like Still that was relatively unknown, but very good in working its way up the uh, distribution chain. They don't like this term, and it doesn't really fit, but for lack of a better term at the moment, it's a zombie-esque type of series. And there's a hole in the market right now for things like that. Um, Walking Dead is just about to finish up or finished up on AMC. It's a huge market. For some reason, everybody loves zombies until they really hear. And uh, we saw it and loved it, and we had a staff meeting about it, and we said, okay, you know, let's take a shot with this thing. So we created a one-sheet and worked on the sizzle reel with them, 
and took a shot. And we went out to our contact uh, initially uh, at Amazon, and we said, "Hey, this is uh, this is the series. This is what it looks like. This is how it feels. Would you guys be interested in putting it up on your platform?" And they said yes because of the quality and content of it. So once that happened, we said, "Okay, let's try everybody else we know now." So we pitched it to Hulu, we pitched it to Foxtel in Australia, we pitched it to Half Ticket TV in India, and we've had a lot of success based on a the quality of the content and the genre. You know, anything kind of culty or horror-ish or zombie-ish is doing very well right now. Okay. What are the next steps with Still, or even not necessarily Let's continue still, to use Still because I like um, them. Let's say for argument's sake, we have Still up for a total of six months. And between the PR and the okay. social media stuff going on, it's getting a lot of views. So if six months from now it got five or ten million views, we can now take it to AMC or to FX or to another major network and say, listen, this is a proven method already. It got 10 million views in six months with little to no promotion. It's a different pitch at that point. And then they'll listen to you. No one in this business gets fired for saying no. They get fired for saying yes and having the, the program be a failure. So if you pitch it directly to them, they'll say no right away. But you come back with numbers and they listen to you. So that's ultimately the next step. Everybody wants to be on television. It's a hard, hard thing to do. But when there are numbers behind you and you have you know, a great production, a great cast, and great writers, it's easier to do. Okay. Would the format of the show have to change uh, if it got onto television? Yeah, and they wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily use the first season that was already cut. They would take it, they'd you know, own the intellectual property, the IP, and they would cast some of the original people, some of the new people, and they would physically produce an entire season based on most likely an hour-long series. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So, in your opinion, is that what web series creators should be going for as a long-term goal? If you're looking at this as a business and you spend 3000 to $200,000 to make a web series, the business aspect of it dictates at this point that you need to get eyeballs on it, you need to get paid, and everybody wants to be on television. So, it's a personal uh, preference, but... From a business aspect of it, I would say absolutely that's the, that's what everyone should be trying to go for. Documentaries are a big thing right now, which is good. Um, we saw a few great documentaries in the San Fran Webfest. Okay. Music shows are doing really well right now, and so are children's shows. Yeah, I mean, family is really hot. Oh, man, Ben, you're a deal maker. Well. All right, so I guess we do need to take a break now so that you can go make money. Actually, we're going to have you talk to people about something else right now, aren't we? I know. We're going to have me sell stuff while I sell stuff. It's pretty awesome. That's super awesome. So stick around. You're listening to Film Insight. Producer Foundry is committed to helping filmmaking knowledge get outside of the hubs of New York and L.A. And as such, we make all of our workshops available online for purchase. If you'd like to see them, please visit www.producerfoundry.com slash workshops. Currently, we have a budgeting workshop, a transmedia workshop, and a pitching workshop, all available for immediate sale. Hope to see you there. You've just heard a couple of sponsorship announcements about stuff we're doing, but we're not all about us. We'd love to talk to you about sponsorship. If you'd like to sponsor Film Insight or any Producer Foundry event, please give us an email at sponsorship at producerfoundry.com. That's again, sponsorship at producerfoundry.com. Now let's get back to the show. And coming back. 
We're no, back. Let's you let know, you do. We're back. Yeah. We're back. Yeah. And we're going to go right back in. <laughs> All right. So we're back with our interview with David. Yes. Actually, this is a really interesting part of the interview, talking about the emerging trends in over-the-top television. Oh, man. And that's like, it's really happening. You you always mm-hmm. talk, we always talked about how the, the, the whole industry was transforming. Man, we are right there. It is seriously happening right now. I'm pretty excited about it. Let's listen. Coming back with our interview on David Devona. Do you think television will be the way to go in the future, given the preponderance of cord cutting and emergence of OTT? Uh, for the time being, there's still people who you know get their HBO because they want to watch Game of Thrones, or people who right now it's still needed, but it's dying. Everyone's going to need television for news and for sports, but we're finding a lot of people, and HBO is a great uh, way to reference this, where they're unbundling themselves, so you can just spend seven ninety nine or eight ninety nine, whatever they charge for HBO now, and you can watch all of HBO's content. That's the future. Um, it used to be the television was the first screen, and computers, laptops, iPhones were the second screen. That's shifting tremendously right now to the point where the newest, biggest thing is the smart televisions, where people can watch Amazon Prime Instant Video on their television. You don't need a cable package. And uh, and they're cheaper, and the content is available instantaneously. You know, we're a generation of instant gratification. You want to watch something, you want to watch it right then and there. So that's a big benefit of it. And another big benefit of the streaming uh, platforms is you can just watch it on Wi-Fi. You can be on an airplane if you want, have a Wi-Fi connection, and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're watching your favorite show. Um, you can't do that with television. No, you cannot. How do you think your model will shift uh, once the goal is no longer to shift it to the major networks? Or will it still be to shift it to the major networks? They'll just have shifted how they sell themselves. Um, Our primary focus uh, is always to just get content out there as, as vastly as possible. The online streaming things are what's doing best for everybody. Not only is it easier to get on there, it has longevity to it. If you happen to license something, uh, film, so to speak, to Esquire or Encore, it, they're going to take it for 30 or 60 days, and then it goes away. Now you have to find another home for it. So places like Amazon and Netflix and Hulu are the homes for them. Mm-hmm. They also are requiring a step up in production. So I've seen some great web series that the production quality isn't up to snuff, and we can't do anything with that. Uh, they're not going to take it. But it's putting a good and much needed pressure on people to put out quality content. And that's what the people want to see quality content. I'd agree with that. At what stage do you work with new filmmakers? Just post-production or already in the can. If there's something we absolutely in love with and we think it's a no brainer to sell, we'll get behind it earlier in stages and, you know, help produce it if needed or, or try to pre-sell it. But that's a much rarer occurrence. Why don't we talk a little bit about where we met, which was the SF Web Fest. How did Laura go about getting you there? Um, so we were working with San Franland, and I didn't know this, but Laura was part of that crew, and she was one of the people running the San Francisco Web Fest. So she contacted me about it, and I thought, what a great opportunity, A, to support two of our films still in San Franland, and to kind of just mentor people and get the... the the ideas that we have out there to content creators that they can create better content, come up with better strategies and better sales pitches to get their content out there. And uh, she asked us to speak at the distribution panel, which I did. Conrad and myself were both at a mentorship program, and 
we were out there at all the screenings, meeting people and looking at the content and, and trying to, you know, again, stay ahead of the curve. Tell us a little bit about why you started Proven Entertainment. So we started it kind of out of necessity that was demanded to us by our future clients, by content creators. People would approach us all the time with, I have this movie, I have this series, it's already done. I shot 52 episodes, what do I do with this? And after hearing that so much, we, we figured that there's obviously a hole in the market. People don't know what to do. You know, with the, the uh, invention of smartphones and handicams, it's much easier to film content these days. So people have content that's filmed, they don't know what to do with it. And there was a hole in the market. You can go to one of our competitors and pay $10,000 to have your movie put up on iTunes which would be a great vanity play if that's what you're involved in. But there was a hole in the market with people getting their content monetized and viewed by the whole world. So we decided to take a shot at that, and we're, we're kind of disrupting the, uh, the landscape right now, and that's good. That's a good place to be. Our competitors don't like that, but that's a very good place to be. We're on the forefront of everything. We're not a technology-based company. We're a production and a development and a distribution-based company. So... We know all the right people. We know all the right things to say. Uh, we know all the right sales pitches to use. Well, excellent. I personally think what you guys do is great. I think the thing that stuck with me most about our conversations at SF WebFest was exactly how hard you'll push each of your clients. We make money if your show or film is doing well. So it wouldn't make sense for us to sit in the back burner and just, okay, your show's out there, let's see what happens, because we wouldn't make any money off of it. So that's that's why we, we actively work so hard. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I try to do the same thing for my clients, but I charge much less and generally end up connecting to someone like you. Yeah, I think that's everything. Podcast. I'm more happy to talk to anybody with an idea or with a show in the can and, and figure out if the content is sellable. And if it is, we'll gladly go to the ends of the earth to get it out there. Well, excellent, David. Thank you very much for coming on. Good luck with everything you're doing. Well, I got to tell you, that was a fantastic conversation. Um, I can hardly wait for our next thing. We don't even know what it is yet, do we? We don't even know what oh, it is. Oh, it's a surprise. We're talking to a couple different I people. I know. We've They're got... going to be good, though. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, we, we do we do this. We're like, we're talking with cool people, and we're we're really getting the word out there. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of the next few weeks of what we got in store. So. Mm-hmm. So, cool. So that's this week's show. Uh, what do we have for people to get in touch with us uh, in the in-between times? In the in-between times. You can go to producerfoundry.com and check us out all our archived blogs, all the episodes of Film Insight, and you can get a free ebook, The Entrepreneurial Producer, written by me. That's right. Your second, your sophomore effort. I know. Second Ooh, book. I, I feel all fancy you do feel fancy don't you so yeah you can check that out on uh, on the site as well it's you? completely free you just have to join our mailing list well all right i i'm in oh wait yes, i'm already on the mailing list oh darn you are uh, <laughs> i'll talk to us if you're already on the mailing list we'll send you a copy cool cool anyway uh we're also on the twitters with at producer foundry and i'm at the gorilla rep and uh, you can always tweet at me at Randy Hall. Um, and we're also, we got, we got a really vibrant Facebook group, lots of news going through there. Twice a week we do the This Week in Indie Film, once for news, once for resources. I mean, there's just no end to the content, peoples. Just no end. So anyway, uh, for until uh, our next time together, this is Randy saying cheers, peoples. And me saying clink, clink. 